You're tuning in to the Designers Inner Circle podcast, hosted by The Circle, the number one design blog by designers for designers. Hello and welcome back to the Designers Inner Circle. I'm your host, Ellen Yang, and each week we feature new designers and marketing members from our own community and talk about all the new trends and any new topics that are coming up in the community and we explore them further with our amazing new guests. So this week we're lucky enough to have uh, UX Goodies aka Iwana Talanu. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, um, almost Romanian. <laughs> <laughs> okay great um, and we're going to be talking more about not just who she is and the amazing following she's grown on Instagram with over 164,000 followers, but also more information about her thoughts on um, a topic that doesn't get explored as often in this community, which is designers' mental health and how that impacts each and every one of us, especially when we're going through different phases of life, um, not just career-wise, but even now during the coronavirus pandemic and how that's you know changing how people feel about freelancing, um, and just careers and professional development in general. So welcome. We're so glad to have you here today. Um, do you want to introduce yourself some more and share with the community, you know, any fun facts you have or like anything that you think people don't know about you as often? Hey, first of all, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really happy I'm, uh, I'm uh, participating in this. And I'm really happy that we chose a subject that is very close to my heart. And uh, it's very dear to me, the topic of uh, how designers should be dealing with their mental health and why it's not discussed more when, in fact, it's really important. But aside from the uh, topic, which we're going to dive into, um, a few words about myself. Um, if there are any UX goodies followers watching this, they probably know. My name is Iwana. I am a UX designer located in Bucharest, Romania. It's the city I was born and raised. And um, just as a professional short description, I now work for a RPA company called UiPath. Um, they have headquarters in New York, but they're actually a Romanian-born uh, startup that went with really big. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm building, uh, I'm, I'm building tools that enable um, robotic process automation, which is a kind of business automation to help companies uh, get rid of the menial tasks and allow people to do more creative work and so on. Um, I've worked for many years in the financial industry. I also had an important project in the healthcare industry and here and there all sorts of uh, other projects. So this is my uh, CV in a nutshell. <laughs> and in terms of funny things about me, I don't know. Um, I guess uh, I'm just a very uh, honest person. This is not funny. <laughs> Being honest is a... Uh, uh, is not amusing by any way, but um, I think the fact that I am uh, very honest about how I feel and and uh, the struggles I've had and the problems, um, the, the, the challenges I had to overcome, I think this is what uh, makes me who I am. And uh, this is what has helped you as goodies grow so much because I think that authenticity is very much valued these days. So... I think this is a description that I'm comfortable with. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, I think that honesty and 
fantasy are growing as really important factors, not just, you know, in social media development, but just in general, if, you know, we, it's something that we expect a lot of brands um, and we definitely expect from um, role models, which I think you definitely are within the design communities. So um, you sort of talked about this in your intro just now, but where did your background in design really start? Um, and how do you think it's different from, you know, what other people might be experiencing when they start um, and just general things like that? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it actually relates to the mental health topic because uh, for many years of my career, I think almost half of my career in, in the bank I used to work with, I uh, pretty much had no idea what I wanted to do as a professional. So I felt very lost and confused and um, UX design was not um, a field or a role that I was aware of. Yeah. Until one day the UX design uh, team was created and I was lucky enough to already be in the digital team that um, contained the UX design team. So that's when I found out that this role existed. And after many years of an internal struggle mm -hmm. of not knowing where I'm heading towards, what my passion is, what I like, what I want to do with my life. So it, that, it, there were many years of uh, feeling lost and confused. And I think that this is where... It may be quite similar to what I'm seeing that many people experience. So I don't know how I, my experience is necessarily different from other people's, but I know how for sure it's similar in the sense that many people at, many, at some moments in their life uh, feel like uh, they have lost direction or they, they are not doing something that's satisfying enough or gratifying or fulfilling and they want to find something that's more meaningful yeah. and uh, so I was lucky enough to move past this uh, feeling uh, lost and uh, discovered UX design. And uh, I, uh, uh, my breaking into UX design happened by doing a lot of learning on my own. So I don't have any design background or design uh, formal education. Uh, in Romania, there isn't any university you can attend uh, to get design education and a diploma. So um, I'm self-taught in a way, which is something that I know many people can relate to, but at the same time can be a cause for mental health uh, struggles because you feel like maybe you're, you're not, you don't have the background and many other designers have the background and you have this sort of a weak point by not having formal design education, which in fact in my career hasn't yet proved to be a showstopper at any point. So um, when the design team was created in my company, I just uh, manifested my um, interest and my curiosity and my willingness to go on this road because I felt like it's something I can, I can, I can be, um, I'm fit with. And at the same time, it excites me while making me feel like I have something to offer by being a very curious and empathetic person. So... Yeah, that's how it happened with a lot of study and then doing mentorship around senior designers. So I was lucky enough to be in the right place to get me started. But I think that everyone can create these chances for themselves. Um, it, it can feel hard in the beginning, but uh, some, somehow I think always some, we all get an opportunity at one moment. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's um, a growing theme in general in the design community where a lot of people are joining the community um, and, you know, getting professional skills and doing a lot of the online learning you talked about, but they're not necessarily from like a traditional design background or they didn't go to school for this, but, you know, they're still really successful because they're able to, you know, I think what it really comes down to is what you talked about earlier with the trust and like, you know, really building your brand and having an audience that really enjoys your content and feels connected to you. So great to hear that you know you share a common background with a lot of um, other designers in the community so what do you think inspires you to continue to create and share every day on your Instagram well uh, this is another question that I'm very uh, passionate about understanding (laughs) the answer so because I'm also I'm also um, investigating myself and doing some introspection and, and trying to understand what what's driving me I mean some things are obvious. Of course, it's really nice to meet all these people and engage in design conversations and have the feeling that you built a community and sometimes people meet through you goodies, which is fantastic. So some things are obvious, but I'm trying to move past the obvious and understand what's deeply motivating me and what got me started in the beginning and how it evolved over time. So uh, this uh, posting every day and uh, uh, building UX goodies uh, began as a learning exercise for myself because um, it's just today that I saw an article on super learners and it said that uh, if you if you immediately try to teach others something you just learned, then you you assimilate the information better and it's it's very helpful of the learning process. So this is what I tried to do by myself. Um, research UX topics or refresh concepts I already knew and then share them with an audience that in the beginning was of course very small maybe 10 people on UX goodies but I I kept going and sharing this little uh, summaries that I I made every day in order to get myself to learn something and it was like a self uh, building a learning protocol for myself so this is what got me going in the beginning, but in time this changed. And of course, today it's very much about community mm-hmm. and meeting people and building conversation and moving into a healthier way of interacting with one another and supporting people that are just breaking into the industry. And now I'm trying to define uh, what my mission is in this. And in, in, since we, we're all in isolation, I, I've been doing more, uh, I've been giving it more thought. But I think that uh, the UX Goodies mission is to to empower people to trust their design abilities and uh, push forward in an industry which sometimes can feel hard to navigate. Yeah, I think you've been doing that fantastically. Like, I noticed that you've been doing the UX-inspired cat names and dog names. I think that (laughs) not only is it, like, super unique, but it sort of makes the entire community feel a lot more personal than just, you know, like sharing logos and mock-ups mm-hmm. and designs. And you're like adding a lot of fun personality to the community, which I think is definitely why people keep on coming back to your account and why this community is so beloved and why you've been able to support it so well. So that's really great to see and very enjoyable as a follower. And <laughs> you've made a very, very interesting point, which is, uh, deeper than than it seems because 
Indeed, uh, for example, the cat names post, which can seem a bit playful, silly, maybe not that much design related, but it, it did engage people in a way that's more personal and um, intimate in a way. But what's really interesting about that post is that it started from the community. So I created this uh, Slack channel uh, space for the UX goodies people because I felt that, that on Instagram, I'm just top-down giving information and people are reacting to this information. But these, these people didn't really seem to interact between themselves or even be the generators for the, the information. So I felt like this is something that's missing and I wanted to, to have it because communities are about uh, collaboration in a way and everybody having a voice. So I created the Slack channel community and that's where people started to bring their own themes, topics. So there was this person that was just about to buy two kittens. So he was looking for names uh, for his new pet cats and uh, names related to UX design. So he started a thread and it was very fun. And then I decided to take it onto Instagram as well. But this is the magic of communities and the magic of giving everyone a space to express themselves that this type of um, personal conversations start to happen and you actually build relationships, which is which sometimes feels hard on Instagram or Behance or Dribble. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome that you have this like Slack channel that's meant to really build up your community. And that's a great story behind a post. Um, I mean, the post was really interesting. Um, and it's great to see that, you know, it came from your passion, which is, you know, just building up that community in design um, and connecting with other people. So that sort of relates to my next question, which is, um, have you noticed any trends on Instagram, Dribble, um, et cetera, the professional world in how designers really interact with each other online and with the rest of the community? It's, um, this was actually the subject of a talk that I was supposed to give, uh, but was canceled. It was postponed <laughs> due to Corona. So it's, um, but it was a talk that I just prepared and it was, uh, specifically addressing this question. How do, how do we interact with each other and what are the trends and what's the future of our design community based on the way we ask questions and we discuss and the, and the conversational space between us at the time present. So I think there are some problems with it because I've noticed that, especially on Dribble and Behance, and maybe to some extent on Instagram as well, people tend to uh, kind of interact on a very superficial level many times. Not all the time. So I've seen really meaningful conversations and conversations that informed one point into another and they, and, and they grew and they were fantastic. But I've also seen, for example, on Dribble, many comments just very um, not necessarily personal or not necessarily uh, bringing any value to the conversation. Just awesome, cool stuff. Yeah, great. Stuff like that, which, which is Everybody needs encouragement. I, I love it when people say awesome to one of my posts. But at the same time, I would like to hear awesome because why? What did you actually enjoy about it? So this is something that I'm trying to do on LinkedIn right now. Mm -hmm. When somebody comments something like great stuff, I'm asking, I'm, I'm moving beyond the... Uh, just saying thank you. I'm trying to understand why Why do they find it great? So doing the UX research technique of why, <laughs> asking at least five whys. So why, why is it great? Um, so I think that this is a problem in, in, on, in design spaces, Dribbble, Behance, and even uh, on Instagram, that people don't really have conversation in which they exchange some sort of information. 
So I think that this is something that especially leaders and mentors and people that are more senior in the industry should be encouraging. So what I'm, what I'm, what I'm seeing as a possible solution to creating more engaging and complex discussions is that uh, the leaders get involved and try to understand. Because maybe somebody will just say, uh, this is hard. And then somebody will answer, I know, and that's it. But maybe you can ask, so why is it hard? Can you share your struggle? What happened? Is it something related to your work, workplace and so on? So uh, I think that the conversations we have today are shaping the future of the design community. So it's important that uh, we get involved and really try to cultivate a meaningful space. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's definitely a trend that I've also noticed, especially in regards to marketing, the marketing niche on Instagram, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's like very supportive in some ways. But like, again, there's a really there's a huge lack of, you know, personal touch, even though it's kind of ironic for that to be happening when so many accounts are like all about building, you know, a personal brand and really like connecting with people, but like they're not really connecting as much with their community. Um, and then, you know, asking those five whys and figuring out why people like it. It's a good exercise because, you know, it helps you improve your work while mm-hmm. also, you know, building that support and it's really helping each other. So that's, <laughs> that's yeah. always something that, um, I've noticed as well, and I think it's definitely something that should be addressed. And I'm not sure how exactly it can be addressed necessarily, just because it's such a wide scale issue, and people do do it with positive intent. But um, hopefully, it's something that you know, as more people become aware of it, and you know, I do stuff like you said, um, you know, really push people to tell you why, and you know, do that on LinkedIn. That's a really good strategy, and hopefully, more people will learn about it. Um, and hopefully some of our listeners will, you know, take that strategy away from this um, and push it forward in their own lives. So on that note, how do you think mental health contributes to that kind of conversation about how our community interacts? Um, and what does mental health really mean to you as a designer in this community? So um, I think that what we put out there and, and the conversations we have are deeply rooted in how we feel and what we think and what we're going through. So I think that having a a healthy community from a mental perspective will also have an effect on the quality of conversations. And for example, um, a a very practical example is somebody that's going through a rough time and has had some frustrations or disappointments in his career. And now he feels this bitterness that it's hard to address, control. And then he manifests it online as bullying or being mean to other designers or if somebody has been very mean in critiquing his uh, design, he's going to do that to other designers. And so this type of uh, domino effect propagates in community. So I think that that's why it's important that we also take care of the mental health of the, um, of the members of our communities and, of course, of our own mental health, which somehow, I don't know why, it seems to be the hardest part. So I think <laughs> for many it's easier to take care of others and it's easier to reach out and help and support other people. And it's really hard to uh, deal with their own problems and, and navigate the pain or the suffering or the disappointments and so on. So uh, mental health has an effect on the common space we interact in because we all bring our own personal uh, mood and um, frustrations and everything in this common space. And it does, uh, it does have an effect. So this is also a personal responsibility, but it's also a group responsibility. We all have to make sure that when a, when a person is being mean, 
on uh, social media, it's, it's probably a reason behind it and hiding a pain and trying not to uh, judge that person. Oh, this is a bully and it's a bad person. It's just a person that's somehow suffering in a way and trying to reach out and understand what's driving that reaction to some piece of content or anything. So I think starting with kindness, we can support each other in this mental health journey, which is deeply related in how, how the community looks. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you with that. Um, do you think that, uh, is it a topic that um, that's been explored in your Slack community yet? Or is it something that you feel like you have to really break the ice for in order to get people to start talking about um, and acknowledging? And has that, you know, impacted your own mental health? Do you feel like you're getting support, even though you're kind of leading this community and, you know, trying to reach out to other people? Yeah, uh, well, the Slack community is quite young. It's only three weeks old, so <laughs> I didn't really got the chance to explore this uh, really difficult, hard topic yet because I'm just um, scratching the eyes, uh, scratching the surface of what we can do with with um, with the Slack community. But I've seen that there are some people in the in design industry as a whole that are are starting to talk more about the mental health part of being a designer. And there have been some initiatives, I think, especially in the times of COVID, there has been a um, revival of the subject, if you want, a more, uh, more, more focus on it. And it's been a really good time for empathy and generosity and supporting each other. I know that there are many people that are struggling with their jobs being uh, cut and this is a very hard time but I've seen a lot of fantastic initiatives that are supporting these people and trying to get them into new jobs and get them through these hard times so I think that it's a subject that maybe it wasn't wasn't so interesting in the past but with this new crisis which is horrible I think this is a good aspect of it that we're becoming more aware of what our co-friends from the design industry are experiencing and the hardship and how we can be more empathetic to them. So probably we're going to see more of a, of interest in, in the mental health of uh, the designers. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. You know, um, the pandemic has definitely, I think in general, just even beyond the design community, it's really, I think people are noticing how lonely they often feel when, um, you know, when freelancing and like choosing to work by yourself and, you know, be your own boss, isn't really a choice anymore, but something that's like forced upon you, you know, you can't see your friends or anything. Um, and I think that's really brought mental health to the spotlight. Um, so kind of going back to that topic, do you think that dealing with mental health is a lot different from, um, how other people might deal with it in their own workspaces? Um, as you know, when you're working in freelance and design, um, and have you noticed any uh, major differences between, you know, your freelance community and the workspace community you've built at UiPath? Mm -hmm. um, I think there are some differences, but it very much depends on the personality of so I've, of the personality of the person of the of, of the individual that's um, that we're talking about. Because some people seem to deal without any issues with freelancing and working in isolation and working by themselves. They still have a great social life or not so great because they're not really, they don't have that need so much. But there are people that are choosing the freedom that freelancing uh, gives, but at the same time deal harder with the fact that they're not in a design team, that they don't have this um, 
conversations and these exchanges that kind of contribute to your sense of fulfillment and your sense of belonging to a group yeah. and so on. So I think that freelancing is, um, is not easy. I think that it has a, a lot of perks. I think it's fantastic uh, for those who manage to balance it right. But also it can feel very lonely at many times. Mm-hmm. But what I would advise is that you find some methods or rituals by which to counter uh, balance this, this uh, negative effects, if you want. So maybe once or twice a week, go work from a co-working space or even a coffee shop or maybe reach out to another freelance designer and just go work together. I have some friends that do this. They just meet and work together and they're all freelancers, but they work in the same room because they have on their different separate projects, but they, they have these conversations and the feeling that they're, they're also interacting with people, which is a deeply human need, a deep human need. And um, we, we can't ignore it. And I think that also freelancing at times, especially in the design industry, there's this pressure to do more and more and more and more and overwork yourself. And when you're a freelancer, the, um, the border between the work time and the personal time tends to be fuzzier and you tend to overwork yourself or work nights and stuff like that. While in the office, the schedule kind of ends at, I don't know, five, six, seven, some, at some point it ends and you go home and that's when you know it's the cutoff time between the job time and the personal time. But as a freelancer, you might get so wrapped up in work and in the same, being in the same space and not having this uh, formal cutoff time that, that you can overwork yourself. This is, I, this is something I see often with freelancers. They, they push themselves close to, to burnout and, it's it not it doesn't happen that often with um with people working day jobs yeah i think that i definitely feel that um you know even with the pandemic i feel like something that i've been experiencing after you know um relaunching my own agency um and you know starting more things like hosting this podcast and everything it's hard when you know you really don't have like a stop or end to your day because um you know like before the pandemic when i was still in school it was a lot easier to understand you know when when it was time to stop and, you know, like go to bed. But, you know, when you're, you, when you have all this time and you're doing a lot of freelance work, there's not really like someone to tell you like, no, it's time to go to bed, like you're done. Um, so I think that's a huge issue with this community. So um, going back to those rituals that you mentioned, have you found any personal practices that have been really helping with your mental health? Um, and if so, what are they? Yeah, so I've, uh, before the crisis um, uh, hit us, I was usually going in the office and maybe working from home one day per week or maybe at best two days per week because I'm a very social person and I enjoy going to the office and talking to people and getting uh, uh, interrupted. I don't even mind. I'm happy to have a conversation. So I'm I'm used to this context switching that the office kind of also uh, is, a, is a dark side of the office that you're always switching between conversations and meetings and stuff. Um, so after I had to isolate myself at home in the beginning, I felt very, um, lost and overwhelmed a little about the fact that it's not compatible with my personality that I am working with other people. And uh, even though I've always had freelance projects, they were always balanced with my daytime job. So I never felt so much professional loneliness, if you want, as I do now. 
Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, it was very hard. And what was, what made it harder was this uh, uncertainty and and the shock, of course, because I think we all felt it as something that shocking that's happening. Our lives are changing fundamentally from one week to another. So I was able to do whatever and travel and have all these conference plans and so on. And now everything is done. And it was shocking. And I think that we all went through a stage of grief or very deep pain because it's natural and uh, I think that it was very important to acknowledge and accept this initial shock phase and after I, I moved past that I realized that um, I do need rituals because otherwise I, I'm losing these lines between when I'm working when I'm eating when I'm sleeping what I'm so everything became in this, the same space which yeah. is not healthy. So I, uh, I kind of, what worked for me was trying to establish clear breaks. Like I, I'm on a schedule. So I'm going to start the day by, I don't know, a walk around the block. And then I'm going to have another break for lunch and eat in a separate space that I work in. Because in the beginning, I worked while eating and <laughs> eat while working. So I, I try to find little moments in which I'm uh, replicating the office life, if you want. So just taking, going out for a cigarette, or I'm not a smoker, but I went, I used to <laughs> went, go out with my colleagues, or maybe go get a coffee and stuff like that, and then bring the office routines mm -hmm. in my um, in my apartment life. Yeah, so, yeah, pretty good method. Um, I think that just having a schedule and time. Um, in general, just makes it a lot easier to break down your day um, and, you know, not get lost in that, you know, constant work grind. But I think on the other side of that, also, you know, not get lost in like binge watching movies or, you know, procrastinating your work, because I feel like both are very easy to do when you have so much time and, you know, you have nowhere else to go but to stay home, really. Yeah. Um, so for people who are struggling with that um, and, you know, listeners who might be in the same place as you were and, you know, feeling kind of lost and don't really know what to do in regards to their mental health, are there any specific resources that you recommend for them or anything that really helped you kind of identify what would help you best um, and anything like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm able to point to a specific resource at this moment because there were a bunch of articles, maybe some conversations that I, that people had in podcasts and so they're scattered all around. I don't have a clear, this is, this is the <laughs> right resource to point people towards, but I think the most important resource is your uh, own inside and mind. And I think that that's where people should investigate. And so, for example, what you mentioned that uh, they, procrastinated um that, that 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 it's easy to procrastinate and start binge watching or stuff like that i wasn't necessarily um doing it uh to an extensive mm -hmm. um volume but i did have some moments when i felt like i should be working but i'm doing something else i'm reading or i'm watching tv or something that i'm not supposed to be doing because it's three in the afternoon, I, I should be working and stuff like that. So I, I kept uh, guilt tripping myself and feeling very uh, like I'm wasting time and then immediately drop everything and start working again. And, and so it was this um, very guilty relationship with all everything that was not work during the work hours, which in fact I was able to um, investigate by uh, introspection and realize that it's something that I have to give myself. And I think everybody should just give themselves 
and accept the fact that we're also coping with the situation. So it's not just about being as productive as you can and making the most of this extra hours or uh, time you have. And it, we, we tended to start by going, oh, there's so much time on, your, on our hands. We have to read and we have to study and we have to do more projects and more work. And, but, but at the same time, we're also coping with a very hard situation. So I accepted that this is my coping mechanism, that I need these breaks, which make me feel guilty, but they shouldn't because they're just helping me be more creative later on or um, just find the break and the space that I need to move on in these hard times. So I think that even procrastination under this very challenging situation is not something that we should guilt trip ourselves about, but just try to to, to not go too much into it because otherwise it can become toxic and can really make you feel bad. So just give the space, give yourself the space to procrastinate and accept that you're, you're coping with a hard situation. Yeah, I think that it's good that you, you were able to identify that. Um, and yeah, it is really difficult during this time because I think no matter where you are in the world, there's just so much going on, you know, um, I think something that I've seen happen a lot around me is that, you know, when people wake up in the morning, even stuff like going on social media, um, I think it's easier when your entire feed or you're just like following people in the design community. But, you know, when you're following the news and you see all these headlines about like how many, you know, just like reading about death and everything like that takes a toll on your work, no matter what field you're working in. Um, and I think that something that's really common in this industry is that there's like this constant grind and like, you're just like, nope, got to keep working. Doesn't matter what's happening around me. And when you don't take that time to slow down, like you risk burnout, um, you risk losing a lot of who you are beyond your work. So it's good to see that, you know, you've been able to take those to practice and really acknowledge those kinds of insights. Um, and hopefully our listeners can learn something from that and, you know, take that into their own lives because it is really, really important. So on that note, what do you recommend? I know you said that you couldn't find any, um, you can't think of any resources right now, but I mean, in terms of actions and like steps that people can take to really approach this and find those things for themselves and like seek those answers, um, what are some general steps that you think people can take? And um, just any like final pieces of advice that you want people to take away from this conversation and really understand so that they can get to a better spot. So the most important step is the first one, which is looking inside yourself and trying to understand what it is you're feeling. So being able to artic to name, to point out, articulate the, the feeling you have. So is it fear? Is it uh, tiredness? Is it um, loneliness? What 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 is the feeling that you're feeling? Because this is the most important part in finding the right next steps to address it. So I think that it, although it may seem very easy. We do all have this blocking safety mental mechanisms that prevent us from really understanding what's happening in our minds. Mm -hmm. So uh, defense mechanisms, I think they're called in psychology and uh, they work pretty well in really uh, not letting us see the real <laughs> of the problem and getting us on the wrong paths and then thinking, oh, I have to call my friends, when in fact, you just needed to be on your own. So stuff like that, even conflicting sometimes. So it's very hard to understand what's happening inside of you, but this is the most important point somehow. And I think you do that by arming yourself with a lot of honesty, because it's hard to admit the darker parts or the... Um, 
the negative feelings that you have and just being able to name them. It's like uh, when a child cries and you ask the child why he's crying, it's important to understand if, it's if the child is hungry or if the child is uh, tired or just some minor disappointment and so on. So it's important to understand what's causing that feeling. And it may be multiple causes. It may be that it's not just one. Of course, it's an ecosystem of things that are not going optimal in this period, but maybe understand the one that's affecting you most. And then the next steps are related to this first step. And I think that um, another point that it's important, even when you have identified the cause of your negative feelings, is that you um, spend some time experimenting with what might help. So what I've been doing for myself uh, in the past few weeks and months is that I, I tried experimenting with different type of activities to see which made me, which responded to my need in that particular moment. So I tried reading, I tried reading didn't work because I was so um, pressured by what's being posted everywhere and all the death and all the disease and all the um, people going without jobs and it was so everything was so hard that I did I lost focus so I, I'm not in a period of my life where I'm able to accumulate new information and be very concentrated on some topic and I just dropped it and then I experimented with other types of activities and what I what worked for me most was going out for a walk because of course we're deprived of this not being able to go to, to work and so on and travel. And so this was the most important thing that has helped me stay on track and remain productive. But I experimented with other things. So for a while, I, I tried listening to podcasts to see if the problem is reading or just uh, if this content channel is what makes the difference. So what if I listen? Maybe if I'm listening, I'll be able to assimilate it easier. But somehow I just couldn't focus on new content. I just had to give myself the space to feel all the bad things I was feeling and walking helped me a lot. Yeah, I think there are also biological reasons for just going out <laughs> in the sun, moving your body. I think there's an explanation with hormones or something, but I, I experimented. These are just some of the things that I, I even tried cooking because I thought that it's, it's a kind of creative activity that you can do indoor and being limited to the indoor space, this might work. But uh, it didn't work for me. It caused more frustration because it never, <laughs> it was never the expected outcome. So I was permanently <laughs> disappointed with myself. So I just, I quit that also. So just experiment with what works for you because we're all different and we're always in a different moment in our lives. Mm -hmm. And what worked in a normal state of the world might not work in this crazy situation. So just experiment and understand what's happening. I think these are the main two things that people that I have to share with the world right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think for me, actually, um, maybe not so much cooking, but, you know, baking stuff because, you know, there's less room to mess up usually. Um, <laughs> that's really helped me. And I think, honestly, the general takeaway that I get from this conversation is now I just want to go online and to, like, tell everyone to just go on a walk and, you know, move their body because I just see everyone indoors. And, like, in general, I think... Um, people aren't as active as they should be sometimes when they're freelancing just because, you know, they're stuck in that cycle of working constantly. 
but you know just reminding people to get up and like do something good for your body and good for your mind beyond just like trying to get a, a like a productive reward out of it um i think that extends to a lot farther than just you know the coronavirus pandemic but you know exactly. just in the future and like when you're doing work so our final final question for you today is um hopefully going to end on a more positive note, but we'll see. Um, what do you really think is the future for mental health in the design community? Um, and what are ways that we can together as a community really get to a better spot with the way we address it? Um, and you know, how we make other people feel? Mm -hmm. I think that this is a, a trend in, throughout industries but maybe design is at the forefront of this because designers tend to be more articulated expressive uh, professionals which of course uh, thrive on sharing their work and getting feedback and so on so we're also very empathetic by design if you want and we always work with people and design for people so we do have a more ease um, in um, much more ease in opening up maybe than other professions but I think that this will affect the entire professional world if you want so people will move towards authenticity and honesty and what will be valued would be speaking about things as they are not in a very cosmetic marketing-ish way right. but in a, in, a, in a marketing honest way if you want so um, this is this is one trend that I think we're going to see more authentic conversations uh, content and relationships as yeah. a whole and I think that in terms of mental health, I've seen, I think that more and more people are uh, are trying to solve themselves and maybe going into therapy or finding some support systems or finding some activities that help them deal with their problems. So I think that the, the general population and designers maybe in particular are moving towards a healthier way of existing with themselves mm -hmm. and this will reflect in the relationships they have inside the community and uh, it will also enhance the support they're able to give other people and maybe i don't know there will be some kind of um, instead of mentors or coaches i think coaches and maybe to some extent even mentors do have a component of uh, psychologically supporting the person they're coaching or mentoring but maybe there will be a profession for i don't know design psychologist <laughs> helping therapy the design therapist that's just helping designers cope with the struggles of being a designer which are quite particular yeah i mean i think that is fundamental to what um the circle has been trying to do which is you know, like being a freelancer is hard so we wanted to build this community of freelancers for freelancers um, and, you know, I think that's something that we're working on to address, really, just building community, being authentic and providing more resources to people. Um, and I think your answer is really just a phenomenal way to end this episode because it kind of goes back to how we began this episode, which was you talking about how, you know, honesty is something that's really important to you and to your brand. Um, and, you know, being honest with ourselves and with our community when we're not doing so great um, and really looking into ourselves to find those answers, I think that is just what mental health, the core of what it is for not just designers, but really anyone and no matter where they are in life or who they are, or what they're doing. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all that amazing insight with us. Um, so uh, do you have any, how should people contact you in the future? Um, do you prefer Instagram or do you prefer having them on your Slack? 
Um, and do you have any final plugs for yourself? <laughs> um, in terms of contact me, uh, contacting me, UX Goodies is a great way. Although I have to admit that on UX Goodies, I get a lot of messages and I'm always behind with answering them. And then I guilt trip myself into, I'm, I'm supposed to support this community and be present, but there are so many messages and sometimes I just can't keep up. Uh, I'm also open to connecting on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, the Slack channel is also the best place in which the community can join me because that's where they will be able to meet other people besides right. myself <laughs> and get more value from these uh, exchanges that I'm hoping will happen. And um, I'm as a final uh, thought, I'm just really happy that people are discussing mental health and I'm really happy that people are listening to this podcast and are watching this. And I'm really, I'm really, really hopeful that in time by putting one brick over the other and building this support system and this space in which we're free and relaxed and feel safe to share our struggles, then many designers will stop uh, uh, emulating this hustle right. Uh, culture and uh, working themselves too much into burnout and so on and they will be more caring and loving with themselves and with the other people in the community okay yeah i think that um it's definitely what you know this podcast is hoping to accomplish which is just opening those kinds of discussions that you know might not be you know an instagram carousel but should be heavily discussed among all of us. Um, so once again, that was Iwana Talanu, who, um, aka UX Goodies, who was amazing enough to join us here today. Um, and thank you so much. Thank you, Ellen. <laughs> no problem. Um, and I hope to connect in the future. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thank you, everyone. Bye.